My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. And with you also. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. I think it was in September of 1997 and I had been praying and discerning and studying for the priesthood in the seminary for about two years or so. And as part of our preparations, we were expected to help out at our home parishes over the weekends. My pastor, Father Mark Holm, who I had known since, since high school, had said to me one Sunday, what are you doing this afternoon? And in typical fashion, before I even answered, he said, whatever you're doing this afternoon, cancel it. You have to take a ride with me to a convent in North Plainfield. As a seminarian, I knew the only response was, yes, Father, okay. And it wasn't until that we were driving there that he finally decided to explain. We're going to meet Mother Teresa. Wait, what? <laughs> it turned out Father Marcone had been going to Mother Teresa's order, the Missionaries of Charity, on a weekly basis as an instructor in church history. And Mother Teresa would make it a point, even then, at her advanced age and her increasing fragility, to go visit her sisters all around the world on a regular basis. And the sisters would, for the most part, try to keep the visit quiet. And then on Mother Teresa's last day at whatever convent she was at, the local sisters would invite people that had been friends of their community to come and just spend a few minutes with her. It was one of those things that felt completely surreal. Father Marcone was known to be a prankster, so I wasn't completely convinced I wasn't being set up. But when we got to the convent, one of the sisters answered the door, and she had this huge smile on her face, and she greeted Father Marcone and, and very quickly led us into the chapel. So now fear of a prank turned into fear of meeting this incredibly holy woman. Walking in, Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament was exposed on the altar for Eucharistic adoration. So everyone in the chapel was just in silence and in prayer, including this little frail woman who was in the very last pew in the back corner, just immersed 
in prayer. Mother Teresa wasn't even distracted that we walked in late. She was just in complete communion with the Lord. On my part, I know that that's what I should have been aspiring to do as well, but now being completely overwhelmed and now my ADD is in full effect, I find myself fidgeting in the kneeler. I'm looking at Jesus and I'm finding myself doing the, the half turn over my shoulder, trying not to be obvious as I'm looking at Mother Teresa. But well, did it a few times until Father Marcon leaned over and told me to stop in his most charitable way of, if there's something wrong with your neck, I can fix it for you so you can stop turning. In any event, when adoration finally came to a close, we were all going to have this opportunity to go meet her and speak to her one-on-one. -on -one. And when we got up, the sisters introduced Father Marcon as coming to teach every week, and she grabbed his hand and thanked him and told him how much she appreciated him helping to take care of her sisters. And that's when he introduced me. He said, Mother, this is Jim Churn. He's a vocation from our parish that, God willing, will be a priest in less than two years. And she had this warm smile. She, she grabbed my hand with both of her hands and said how happy she was to meet me, how wonderful it was that I was, was listening to God's call to the priesthood. I was pretty much just in awe, just in, incredibly rare for me. I was also speechless. I was in the presence of this future saint, and I just found myself half tearing up, half just shaking my head in disbelief and saying, thank you, Mother, thank you, Mother, over and over again. And that's when she dropped this little line on me. She said, you must come to Calcutta. Father Marcon got this somewhat surprise, shock, almost ready to laugh look on his face as he's looking at me with the, now what are you gonna do? And without missing a beat, I just said, and you must speak to my archbishop. I don't think I had ever before or since, to be painfully honest, been more thankful for the promise of obedience than I was in at that moment. There was no way I was going to Calcutta. And she laughed and she clapped her hands on my hand. She gave me a hug. So we're all good. But I remember getting in the car with Father Marcon, and he's just not letting go. He's like, wow, you couldn't get out of that fast enough. You didn't even want to consider it. There was no way you were going to Calcutta. Boy, oh boy, saying no to a future saint. I remember one friend of mine, telling, when I heard, told him the story, he said, dude, you're going to hell. How do you say no to a saint? I point out, that's a little bit harsh. He said, well, you're going to be in for some serious purgatory. I said, yeah, well, maybe. But anyway... Good-natured ribbing aside, there's a part of me, though, that believed that this was a Holy Spirit moment. I doubt very highly that my first intelligible words to Mother Teresa were meant to be dismissive of her suggestion. But the reality is that there had never been any inkling of going to a foreign country to serve as a missionary in a very particular vocation, which that is. I mean, I had never left the United States till about six years ago on my first trip to Italy. I'm sure that for another individual, this type of encounter where Mother Teresa would have said something like that, that could have been like a, a burning bush, aha God moment when the scales would fall from their eyes and they, they recognized that the Lord was saying something to them for some time. And that would have confirmed something that was deep within their heart. For me, though, in a lot of ways, that was a moment of clarity. Because seminary is this unique time and an experience. You're discerning you're contemplating, you're talking about becoming a priest, God willing. As a 23-year-old, I was still kind of moving along, going back and forth, whether I was discerning the priesthood or preparing for the priesthood. But that day, in the presence of such a 
a holy woman and being in such absolute awe of her was such a moment of clarity. I knew what God had placed on my heart and where that was leading to the priesthood in the Archdiocese of Newark. And I found a, a new confidence that afternoon that that's what, was, what God was calling me to in my life. I know some of you are skeptical, saying whatever gets me to sleep at night for dissing Mother Teresa, but bear with me, I'm pretty sure that that's what God was saying to me. This bizarre, all-too-real story, though, came to mind as I was reading today's Gospel and considering St. Joseph and what God had placed on his heart and where that was going to lead. This Gospel passage is one of the very few where St. Joseph figures in. And we're hearing the, the familiar introductory passages to the Nativity of Jesus Christ, which we're about to celebrate in a few days. St. Matthew shares the story of St. Joseph first learning of Mary being chosen by God to bear Jesus, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit without loss of her virginity. And oftentimes I'd imagine Joseph's reaction to this news and his decision to divorce her quietly as an understandable reaction of a man who, who was confused by the news or skeptical of the story, so much so that he needed the angels convincing to verify Mary's story and allay all of his fears and questions. But recently I've been praying with this, this new book of Advent Meditations on St. Joseph, and it made me consider the whole scene in a very different way than I'd ever considered before. That perhaps it wasn't suspicion or confusion at all, but rather that Joseph had such a reverence and awe of what God was doing with the Blessed Virgin Mary. And that makes sense. St. Joseph had a unique love and an incredible reverence for God and for the Blessed Mother Mary, that he knew he was in the presence of incredible holiness when he first met Mary. That's probably one of the reasons he fell in love with her. She was the woman of his dreams. He couldn't believe he was this fortunate to have met her. In his heart of hearts, he believed she was too good for him. And he was right. When he learns Mary's carrying Jesus in her womb, that she had been chosen to bear the Emmanuel, the Messiah, the one who his ancestors had been waiting for and longed for, Joseph, the devout Jew, knew what that meant. And in his utter love and reverence, Joseph wanted to protect this divine mystery that he felt himself unworthy to even be in the presence of. He wasn't barring Mary from his home out of hurt or anger, but for feeling unworthy. That's why he's identified as righteous. It wasn't that he didn't know what was going on, but rather that he did. And he knew that this mission, this vocation for Mary, was of such singular historic importance. Yes, he wanted to, to get married to Mary, but he knew what was much more important. He wanted the Messiah even more. And that's why the angelic meeting in his dream makes even more sense. Because he was a man of faith. He was a man of humility because he was a man who knew the word of God. And so the angel's encounter with him wasn't confusing either. Scripture tells us that when Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. 
There was an immediacy. There was a clarity that resonated deep within Joseph. The Holy Spirit confirmed in Joseph's heart what he had placed there and where that was going to lead to take his wife into his home on God's terms. And in doing so, this story of Jesus' salvation now incorporates him, taking him on a journey beyond his wildest dreams of what married life with the woman of his dreams could have ever been. What has God placed on your heart? And where is that leading? The good news is that Joseph's story is our story as well. If we just allow the truth of the Eucharist to penetrate our hearts and souls, that the Jesus who was as real and present in Mary's womb or in Joseph's arms that first Christmas night is as real and present in the host that we receive, then this sense of awe and reverence and humility rises up. I'm not worthy. That's why we say those beautiful words right before we dare to come forward. Lord, I'm not worthy. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed. We're not worthy to receive Jesus' body and blood. I'm most definitely not worthy to consecrate the bread and wine that makes that happen. God makes us worthy. By his word, we're invited in. By his word, we are included. By his word, he uses and utilizes each of us in this continuing story of Jesus coming to his people of this time and place. He's not calling you to the vocation that St. Joseph was called to. He might not be calling you to be a missionary in Calcutta or to become a priest, although he might. But he is calling all of us not to be passive observers and simply beneficiaries of his goodness and his blessings. He's calling each and every one of us into his mission. He's calling each and every one of us to share his good news that Jesus Christ has come into the world to save all humanity. He's calling each and every one of us into Jesus's very life and death and resurrection. For some, Receiving this news might mean a 180-degree turn that involves some massive life changes or career changes. And acknowledging a dream that was planted deep within your heart and soul that's just waiting to break forth. For others, it might be a renewal just to go deeper where you are right now. Being an even better husband or wife, mother or father, grandmother or grandfather or a son or daughter. But the Lord wants to use each and every one of us to share this profound mystery that we celebrate. That the creator of the universe doesn't look at us as insignificant creatures that roam his creation. He has a profound, unique, intimate love for each and every one of us. He continues to be Emmanuel, God with us. May we follow St. Joseph's example in listening to those words of the angel that are repeated over and over again throughout scriptures, to not be afraid, and instead welcoming and receiving the greatest of Christmas gifts in receiving Jesus. 
and then listening to how God wants to utilize us in each of our own unique ways to share that tremendous gift and sharing him.